You are listening to Mark Hatmaker Rough and Tumble Raconteur. This is a grab bag of old school Western martial arts, resurrected indigenous ways and empirical musings tinged with a heavy dose of respect, admiration, let's call it hero worship, for these hosses of yore. Crew, this is Mark Hatmaker coming to you from the Comancheria. Uh, let's uh, do a little bit of prognostication here. I'm going to do a little bit of fortune telling for you. We're going to predict your own personal Pearl Harbor. I'm going to, in other words, this is your crystal ball of harm. So, uh, in other words, I'm going, to say, I'm going to get into a little huddle with you right now and tell you where and when you are most likely to be assaulted, be attacked. I'm not talking Y-O-U in the abstract plural. I'm talking to you, the personal Y-O-U. That's right, listener. I'm talking directly to you, whoever you may be. Now, before I tell you where you likely could meet some bad deeds and bad doings, let's have a a listen to an excerpt from a boring historical memorandum. Uh, This is William Mitchell from his memorandum for the U.S. Army Chief of Staff. I'm going to, these are his words, and I quote, The island of Oahu, with its military depots, both naval and land, its airdromes, water supplies, the city of Honolulu with its wharves and supply points, forms an easy, compact, and convenient object for air attack. I believe, therefore, that should Japan decide to, upon the reduction and seizure of the Hawaiian Islands, they will attack on uh, Ford's Island at 7.30 a.m. Unquote. Hmm. Well, that did indeed occur, just as it was laid out in the memorandum. That day of infamy, December 7, 1941, Mr. Mitchell said the attack would commence at 7.30 a.m. It actually commenced at approximately 7.55 a.m. Honolulu time, but it's not bad to be off by, what, 25 minutes? So other, other than that, though, he's writing all other particulars. I think it's pretty safe to say that Mr. Mitchell was kind of dead on there, right? Now, did he have access to some inside skinny, glean some information from a decrypted Japanese message, or perhaps possess a strategic mind on par with the best martial minds of all time? Or maybe, just maybe, he was offering assessments based on commonly understood but usually ignored likelihoods. See, Mr. Mitchell was not the only martial mind to offer such eerily accurate predictions. There were many of these like this that were offering this same sort of idea. So how did Mr. Mitchell and these like minds get it so uncannily right? First, let's put a date on that memorandum and make it even more prescient. All right. Let me ask you, think about everything he said. 730, Ford's Island, uh, 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 Pearl Harbor. I I mean, an air attack. When do you think Mr. Mitchell wrote that memorandum? Take a guess. Go ahead. Think. Is it a week before the attack? Uh, Perhaps in November when uh, Japanese-American relations were getting really, really griddle hot? Uh, perhaps Mr. Mitchell got to work in his assignment shortly after September 27, 1940, when Germany, Italy, and Japan signed the Tripartite Act, which became known as the Axis Alliance. Such an act of foresight would put Mr. Mitchell and others a full 12 to 13 months before the predicted attack. That'd be amazing, wouldn't it? All right, so you get your answer locked in. When did you write it? Well, Mr. Mitchell's mem- memorandum was delivered in the year of 1924. Now, allow me to say, what the fuck? I mean, you, you think about this. We're, tell, we're, we're finding out now that we had, at a minimum, 17 years of warning of the tragedy that could possibly occur. Indeed. Think about that. And I'm also telling you that numerous assessments to follow on the hills of Mr. Mitchell's echoed his evaluation. Now, before we get to why this information was likely ignored, let's look at how the assessments got it so right. Let's back to that Mitchell memorandum. Let me quote from it again. The island of Oahu, with its military depots, both naval and land, its airdromes, water supplies, the city of Honolulu, with its wharves and supply points, form an easy, compact, and convenient object for air attack. Unquote. 
Now, Mr. Mitchell rightly points to the strategic value of the target in the sparse uh, island stepping stone geography of the Pacific. So there you go. It's kind of a no-brainer whenever you get it laid out for you like that in an ocean where territory is sparse. So you got to choose uh, the value. you got to choose the choke points. And back to Mr. Mitchell's memorandum. Quote, I believe, therefore, that should Japan decide upon the reduction and seizure of the Hawaiian Islands, attack will be launched on Ford's Island. Unquote. Now, why did he choose Ford's Island? Well, Ford's Island was the basis of activity for the military defense of the island. Ah, it's making more sense, isn't it? It makes no uh, strategic sense whatsoever to strafe tourist beaches and leave that which can retaliate intact. All right. So back to the memorandum. Quote, attack will be launched in Ford's Island at 7.30 a.m. Unquote. Now, that is one mighty specific and uncannily accurate, but also common sense in tactical terms. One, troops are often at their slack point in the morning hours. Sunday morning indolence was added as a compounding factor. So, indeed, the attack did occur on a Sunday morning. Two, the morning sun is at an acute angle. The angle was to be, uh, the, the attack was to be aerial, so the fighters coming out of the sun have to have the visibility, they have the visibility advantage and the glare in the eyes of the grounded gunnery. Three, tide factors. You have morning and evening tidal changes. All sailors know that launching into mooring is a bit different in these times. Choosing assault when the enemy is at a possible maneuvering disadvantage is always wise. So... We could continue on with prevailing wind factors, etc., but we see Mitchell and his fellow assessors were not shooting blindly. They were using strategic and tactical likelihoods. So the question has to be asked, so why was his and other risk assessments ignored? Well, let's look to another memorandum for a possible answer. Uh, this is R. Jack Smith. He was a former deputy director for intelligence, that's the DDI, for the CIA. He said this in 1989 regarding the mindsets of folks who receive intelligence assessments. So in other words... Uh, the sorts of folks that Mitchell is writing for. You write these from a, a concrete tactical standpoint, and you send them up to be assessed. Quote, Another emergent heresy is that interpreters of intelligence are influenced by academics and academic thinking to the detriment of realistic analysis. I am reminded of one venture we launched in the late 1960s to tap the knowledge and judgment of the best scholars of Chinese affairs. These scholars were brilliantly knowledgeable of Chinese history, culture, and social structure, but they were as innocent as babes about current conditions, be they political, economic, or military, unquote. So in other words, they went to experts, but the experts were concept-blinded, theory-saturated, unschooled, and the concrete. All right? And then you might be, stay with me, you might be asking, what's this got to do with martial arts and combat stuff? Stay with me. And Mr. Mitchell's and like assessments are often based on concrete likelihoods, and then read by folks who shoot it through a prism of, well, I met so-and-so, and we seem copacetic on this point, or traditionally the Japanese would, or you see, Bushido code dictates, then blah, 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 blah. Those who receive assessments are not dumb. Matter of fact, they're well-educated and smart, very well-schooled people. Assessments that are rooted in the concrete are not done deals to face. So Mr. Mitchell's assessment uh, doesn't mean it had to come true. He just said if it were to become true, here's how it's going to be done. So concrete tactical assessments, they're meant to be templates of if things are going to go bad, there's a very good chance that they go bad in this manner, unquote. Now, let's get back to this. Uh, let's get back to that opening promise I made to you. I predict your own personal Pearl Harbor. Likely you're ahead of the game at this point. If we were to hire Mr. Mitchell to look at your life, your day-to-day -day habits, routines, associates, loved ones, assumptions, what might he offer? See, we must never forget that most attackers are folks we know. 
they're hazards we know. Environments we kind of sort of know we feel sketchy about. Most economic ruin will be via a bad relationship decision, a travesty of a divorce settlement, a bet on your unreliable brother-in-law's business idea. When you get down to it, you think about it, many of these things are predictable factors. Most assaults, not all, most, once they occur, in retrospect, have an element of, yeah, I kind of thought something seemed off. So, to step away from the physical assault side of things to the potential financial debacle or emotional minefield, most uh, spawn from relationships gone bad. Folks we have already assessed as serene as a wahoo, but in retrospect, we admit to how many Mitch reports we read and ignored along the way. And again, we're theory-saturated. Sometimes we will ignore the concrete evidence in front of us and let, uh, well, I've known that guy for a long time, and I, I think it's probably okay when there is someone who knows them less, have less theory and historical background with them, but is looking tactically going, yeah, but that guy's doing this, man. I mean, does this not seem strange to you? Much of our training, if we are honest, resides in some domain that straddles cinema choreography and being a protagonist from a Mitch Rapper Lee Child novel, rather than being reflective of the likelihoods of our own daily life, title changes, sun angles, and personal choke, choke points. Often we're choosing what seems cool, things that we like, rather than what we might actually need or conditions that we might face. The deficit we will face, most of it's dual-based uh, training, where we're all... Uh, even though we sometimes we say, well, that's just sport. We wouldn't do that. And then you go back to mano a mano using the same sort of tools against one another. And you're going, well, what's the damn difference, huh? In our day-to-day -day lives, we can appear absurdly smart. And likely we are. And yet we can make bold, brash, dumb, life-changing decisions. In our day-to-day -day lives, we often prepare for something big, but unlikely, and fail to do much, if anything, for the small and highly probable. So uh, let's do a pop quiz gut check. When's the last time you checked the charge on your home fire extinguisher? I mean, you have a fire extinguisher, right? Uh, when's the last time you did the uh, vehicle scan when you're walking to yours? Was anyone on the other side of it crouching down? There's all sorts of small things like that. Likely many of the people who would listen to such a podcast do such things, but where we often fall down on the job is when we're looking at some personal relationships, personal environments, just because we have a personal affection for them, or is there a little bit of theory, and sometimes our training is too buried down and mired in the abstract rather than to the actual nitty-gritty. So, the wisest among us will write a Mitchell memorandum of our own lives and to prepare for those likelihoods in advance. It doesn't matter if we're all the time going, you know, what the administration should do about this or that situation. We've got people all the time, our chair, quarterbacking a political situation, war situations, sports teams uh, uh, situations without really looking at their own lives, our own lives, and really getting deep down and going, hey, if something were to go wrong, likely here's where it might go wrong. Uh, here's the people that might be involved with it and such. We can't predict for the randomness of uh, the strange event, the, but we often can go, yeah, if uh, amongst the people I know or the places I go, if something's going to happen, it might be this. So don't be the expert who ignores the sun and tide for the smartified in the weeds theory. Anyway, take care of yourself, crew. Thanks for listening to the, all this fall to roll. Take care of yourselves. Well, if you dig what we just discussed today, uh, I'd like to invite you to like and subscribe to the podcast. Hell, support it if you want. I'm not your dad. Do what you want. And if you're a glutton for punishment, uh, just visit our website, extremeselfprotection.com. You'll find links to the blog, all of our products, and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of more pages of like musings. Mm -hmm.